Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, uh, thank you, Emily, for this opportunity. And I'm very happy to be here and uh, share some insights on the aspects of higher education development. And my focus will be on issues of um, the challenges of massification, but with the focus on aspects of equity and access. And uh, the study, the my presentation is based on a large-scale empirical study that we did um, at the National Institute of Educational Planning and Administration. And I'm from the Center for Policy Research in Higher Education. So this is just the context, um, uh, the higher education development in India. Um, so this table shows uh, the development in India in the 1950s and 60s. Uh, and the feature was that uh, higher education was a monopoly of the state. The focus was laying the foundation of higher, uh, higher education growth in terms of establishing regulatory bodies and institutions. Uh, efforts were basically directed uh, around this stage when we were elite in nature, elite uh, stage of math, uh, higher education development. Uh, efforts was uh, really directed towards establishing uh, and um, establishing quality. So we were. Uh, establishing Indian Institute of Technologies, Indian Institute of <coughs> Management, the quality. So the focus was on quality and not um, uh, expansion. As a, higher, as a result, higher education remained an elite sector with limited access and the gross enrollment ratio remained at less than 5%. It was its, its post-1990s and really in 2000, um, the decade that India witnessed a stage of massive expansion with the state <coughs> losing its monopoly, beginning of privatization of public institutions, uh, introduction of private universities, um, and and uh, in the f in the form of establishment of private universities and colleges. So two forms of private expansion happened. One was privatization of public institutions and expansion establishment of private universities and colleges so we see an increase in the number of colleges uh, after also 2005 6 7 so these <coughs> this line shows that this column shows colleges both private and public but that is one of the features in of higher education so the um, presently high, uh, higher education um, today india has the second largest higher education system after China. It has nearly 800 universities, close to 40,000 colleges and 35 million students. And from a GER of 5.9% in 1990s, it is close to 25% now. The expansion has been, um, sorry, this is the wrong slide. Yeah. The expansion has been accompanied by a diversification of the sector in terms of institutions, sources of financing, programs being offered and students' background. The challenges that the higher education system in this massifying stage of expansion uh, of higher education development is uh, concerning inadequate public funding, which is not in pace with massification, disciplinary distortions in enrollment. Uh, we have more enrollment in um, STEM uh, in uh, uh, science and STEM subjects as compared to social sciences, uh, as compared to sciences and uh, management, in management as compared to social sciences. Inadequate measures of quality control and unethical practices, short supply of quality 
of uh, teacher. So we have a lot of contract and ad hocism in the system and under preparedness to of the institution to respond and manage student diversity. So I thought I'll just put the major findings first to you if I don't have time in the end. So this is the challenges and I will focus on the underpreparedness of the institutions to manage student diversity because it is now it's an expanding system. It's not only an expanding system, it's not only massifying, that means larger number of students enrolling, but it also is uh, diversifying in terms of student identities and that's what I'll be focusing uh, in my presentation. Uh, disadvantaged groups have improved their access um, and especially those from the socially excluded groups uh, such as the scheduled castes, other backward classes and scheduled tribes. So we have um, scheduled castes are the former untouchables, the other backward classes are lower caste but not untouchables um, in the caste system and scheduled tribes are similar to the indigenous group. So we have a caste system and this is the kind of context, historical context that I wanted to uh, first quickly um, uh, share with you. The constitution of India recognizes the stigma of untouchability and social back backwardness facing these groups because of their placement as lower in social hierarchy in the caste system. These three groups are protected social groups uh, for whom the government of India has developed affirmative action policies based on various constitutional provisions, reservation of seats in higher education institutions, relaxation in admission criteria and financial support have been implemented in access uh, to these groups. So that's the uh, 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 four forms of uh, support that the um, government of India based on constitutional provisions have provided. Of course, the basis is the success of the education for all programs. So we have a higher enrollment at, in the school system and higher eligible of those who are graduating <coughs> from the school system and getting into the higher education system. Um, this is just uh, based on the national sample survey uh, uh, across 2007 and 2014. This is just the graph to show that how across social groups we see an increasing trend of uh, the um, the social groups which, which have been excluded. So um, women have also gained access uh, with some states in India showing gender parity index which is more than men. Even though underrepresented students who are gaining access to college is an impressive accomplishment uh, when compared to the elite stage, uh, there are challenges facing the higher education system at the stage of massification. So challenges are of three types. Inequalities in access to educational opportunities, inequalities in retention and academic success, and non-inclusive campuses. These challenges are the findings of a research project where we analyze the macro data as well as collected primary data. Both quantitative and qualitative data were combined to arrive at our research findings. The quantitative data included a census of social characteristics of students based on administrative records, a detailed questionnaire-based survey um, among 3,200 students. Qualitative data also included in-depth interviews uh, 
and focus group discussions with teachers, students, administrators and decision makers in the selected institution. The study was based uh, in case in six states and 12 higher education institutions. The empirical evidence shows inequalities, I'm talking about the first challenge, in inequalities in access by income levels, social and religious groups, location and reg regional. Sorry. Sorry, let me just go back. Uh, for example, in 2014, the GER for the lowest per, per capita monthly expenditure quintile was seven times less than top quintile. Many, uh, the scheduled cost and the scheduled tribes continue to have lower enrollment ratios vis-a-vis -vis others, while Muslim GER is lower than Hindus and other religious minorities. Many factors, our study shows many factors cumulatively lead to disadvantages for these students in accessing opportunities for higher education, including hailing from a lower socioeconomic background, residing in rural areas with poor learning infrastructure, also due to high dropout rates amongst the socially excluded groups at the school level, only limited students from such backgrounds are able to, uh, uh, are available for entry at the higher education level. Uh, contributing to persisting social group disparities in higher education. The second type of inequality is regional disparity. Um, higher education opportunities are unevenly distributed across states with over concentration of higher education institution in some states and unavailability <coughs> in others. Uh, this fuels regional disparities in enrollment. Regional inequalities in the GER is closely associated with spatial distribution of private institu unaided institutions. GER is higher in those states with high concentration of unaided private institutions, while states having a predominantly public universities and colleges have lower density of institutions and low GERs. Access to higher education remains low in rural, rural areas as compared to urban areas. Again, rural urban, uh, rural urban disparities are linked to the availability of higher education institutions which are found more often in urban areas. We also, the empirical evidence also shows that the students from disadvantaged socioeconomic groups first-generation learners and from rural background, even when they enter higher education system, are unable to progress beyond the undergraduate level. The low enrollment in postgraduate programs impacts their presence in professions uh, requiring postgraduate degrees, and which then uh, again fuels inequalities in the private sector, in, in employment opportunities. The higher education system offers a stratified structure of opportunities with hierarchy in institutional prestige and field of study, study, which in turn determines earnings and social outcomes. Evidence suggests that socioeconomic inequalities are closely related to uh, um, are closely related to having access um, in admission to elite institutions with access to most selective universities and programs of study being restricted to those from the privileged backgrounds. Socioeconomic status, parental educational level, specifically graduate, <coughs> or those who, are, who have parents as graduates, 
high school experience including medium of instruction and admission policies significantly impacts affect and affects choice of college and subjects uh, medium of instruction is connected with english medium of instruction vis-a-vis -vis regional medium of instruction english media medium of instruction is mainly is mainly being provided by the private schools following the central board uh, syllabus cbsc that's called an iscs while regional uh, medium of instruction is provided by the government schools that follow state syllabus which are mostly outdated in nature now that then brings us into um, recall that we have higher higher number of students and higher percentage of students enrolling into higher education um, the second which is connected to this issue the second press pressing issue is in the in the context of widening participation of underrepresented students is their retention and academic success while the point of entry has been relaxed for students from the socially disadvantaged groups academic success at the point of exit calls for a significant academic support however this support is limited and students from the disadvantaged groups remain less integrated in the academic domain in the uh, institutions our study shows that inequitable pre-college academic preparedness low competency in english language non-interactive classroom teachings, a lack of academic support services, low teacher-student interaction, an insensitive and uncaring attitude of faculty members negatively impacts engagement in learning activities. Many teachers considered, consider the former untouchables as unteachable in the classroom. Due to prevailing classroom practices, students from the disadvantaged social groups are more likely to face difficulty in understanding core subjects in early days and remain trapped in a low, lower levels of academic performance. Low scores also negatively affects opportunity for higher studies and transition to the labor market especially access to lucrative jobs, this further reproduces social inequalities. <coughs> the third issue emerging from the research is the nature and interactions in the social sphere in campuses and interaction with administration. While on one hand, the higher education system in India is now serving a more diverse group of students, on the other hand, institutions remain exclusionary in, in nature, rooted in tradition and elite in approach. Prejudice along caste and ethnic lines and differentiated academic grounding result in discrimination and social isolation of students from the socially excluded groups. Discrimination faced by students from socially excluded groups manifest in the form of low teacher-student informal interactions, social division in friendship, and exclusionary behavior from the administration. Unfortunately, prejudices and stereotypes stemming from the class, caste, ethnic backgrounds of the, these students 
often influence these sorts of interactions. Discriminatory behavior of faculty member in this respect is reflected in the lower likelihood of socially excluded students from the socially excluded groups from getting time out of classroom hours or guidance and lack of encouragement to organize academic and non-academic events. <coughs> By their peers, students from the disadvantaged groups are made fun of, stigmatized and labeled as reserved category students. Wherever disadvantaged students are active in extracurricular activities, such activities and student participation is stigmatized. Gender biases manifest in the form of relatively fewer leadership opportunities for women in curricular and extracurricular activities, not being encouraged to participate in public programs in campuses. Women are also confronted with the issue of safety, <coughs> sexual violence and restriction on their freedom of movement and to wear the clothes of their choice. Women belonging to the scheduled caste and the scheduled tribe social groups are particularly vulnerable to caste and gender-based <coughs> stereotypes overtones. Such discouraging experiences lead to self-censorship of women uh, from participation in discussions, retreat from the public sphere, a feeling of invisibility and marginalization in the campuses. It is found that institutional mechanisms created to protect students against discrimination and harassment are ineffective. So we have various institutional mechanisms in in forms of special cells, equal opportunity office, scheduled caste, scheduled tribe, special cell, women's cell. These are ineffective, although all types of such arrangement exists on paper. Many of these administrative units do not function effectively. Moreover, students face indignity and humiliation while interacting with the administration. Humiliating interactions take the form of derogatory remarks. Therefore, an Overall institutional, insensitive institutional culture, instead of an individual being responsible, was found to be responsible for ineffective functioning of the cells and a lack of perspective towards valuing student diversity. As a result of the cumulative impact of prejudice institutional culture, comprising of caste-based interactions with their peers and teachers, unsupportive administration and non-functional institutional mechanisms of protection against discrimination, students from the disadvantaged social groups are more likely to struggle with engaging in extracurricular activities and other campus activities such as orientation programs, clubs and societies, furthering the, uh, their marginalization and disconnecting them with the, the uh, belonging, a sense of belonging to the institution. <clears throat> so we find, in summary, we find that though student diversity has improved as a result of massification, discrimination and dis disparities continue to mm -hmm. persist. There is an urgent need to address the three domains, equalizing access to um, higher education opportunities, achieving academic integration in the classrooms, and social inclusion in the campuses. There are multiple levels of uh, interventions responding to these three challenges at the central level, the federal level, at the state level, 
institutions and classrooms. But our study shows institutional leaders and teachers are the ones who have to be uh, have to be the agents of change. And we are uh, um, discussing and we are kind of uh, um, we believe that empathy and the practice of pedagogy of care is what is really important within the classrooms and within our higher education institutions. Thank you.